Welcome back to The Southerns. This is Angie Henderson Mulcata. In episode three, we meet Brian Henry. He's a Georgia native like me, and like my mom, Brian grew up on a farm. Now, he travels the world for work, and whether he's in Budapest or Nairobi, he sets off in his running shoes to explore. Like his nearly two-decade career with the same company, these runs are uncommonly long. Brian recently completed his eighth marathon. I tried taking up running for a while. One morning, when I was in Singapore, I got up before the city got dressed and wound my way under giant solar-powered super trees as the sun was coming up over the water. While I was crossing at the light to head into the park at Gardens by the Bay, a truck bed full of migrant workers was pouring out to scour the acres of concrete for bits of trash and fallen palm fronds. It was lonely being the only one out there except those guys who were so far from home who were making a living maintaining Singapore's pretense of perfection. I recognized something in what they were doing, though, because maybe I felt like that was my job, too, for a while. In the last two years, I've been to five continents. I've taken 18-hour flights, tucked under the covers in business class, and I've flown all the way across the country and back again in less than a day. And as I found myself wandering the earth, creating tidy little stories, I think I was trying hard to write a different story for myself, too, one that turned out not to be quite true. Now that I've slowed down, grounded myself, I'm starting to think that I might have been running from something. I know I was looking for a place that felt like home. I don't get that from Brian. I admire him because, as he tells it, his global journey and career have just sort of evolved. Along the way, his perspective has shifted, but he has never been out of place. He takes things and people as they are, and he's learned to pace himself the way only a marathon runner can. Rather than looking for home, he's creating home. In Brazil, in New York City, for himself, for his parents, and for his friends from around the world. One world came up a couple of times in my conversation with Brian. Grounded. And I can't help but think that what keeps him that way is the smell of the land out back at his grandparents' place and the feel of the earth under his feet when he runs. I hope you're enjoying listening to this episode three of The Southerns. Here we go. Hello? Yes, hi. Hey, Brian, this is Angie. Oh, hey, how are you? I'm good. Are you at home today? I am, yes. Oh, okay, good. I've got lucky then. Um, yeah. Awesome. 
Well, um, why don't we start with that? Uh, just sort of basic, like, what's your story? Where are you from? How did you end up where you are now? What do you What do you do for a living? That kind of stuff. Okay. So I am from Georgia originally, a little town between Augusta and Savannah, Georgia. Uh, Millen, Georgia, is a town is, is the, the nearest town, and actually I'm from a farm that's about 15 miles outside of Millen. So uh, I grew up on a farm. It's really a non-functional farm at this point. It's um, a lot of pine trees uh, planted. Still takes some management of these pine trees, but it's not a fully functioning farm anymore. Um, I went to school at University of Georgia, and then after school, migrated over to Atlanta for a job. And uh, that job has taken me around the world and now has um, landed me in New York City um, via Brazil. So I took a little detour uh, outside of uh, the country and landed in New York City. And being from the South is very different. Um, obviously, New York City is very different, but having traveled a good bit before I moved here um, certainly prepared me for the city life um, that was so very different than where I grew up. Awesome. Um, what kind of work do you do? I work in uh, IT consulting. I work at IBM. What was your experience like in Brazil? When I was in Brazil, I went without knowing anybody. I mean, I went with um, knowing some business contacts, but within, I think it was within two weeks, I was invited to a wedding already. Uh, I was invited to the small farms outside of the city where I lived to celebrate um, Festa Janina, which is a festival that is sort of like a farm festival sort of thing. You know, they dress up in straw hats and plaid shirts and it's bonfires and roasting s'mores and things like that. And that, you know, I think that, you know, coming from the South, I definitely could relate to that, right? So when you came to New York, did you have that kind of experience of no, no, <laughs> no, no, as you can imagine. And and I've talked about this with um, international friends here, too. It, New York is very much a place where you don't typically host people in your apartment, right? I mean, we live in small spaces, and there, for one, there's not a lot of space. But actually, I was just talking with somebody yesterday, and they were saying that they had been over to brunch at some friend's house, and even they made the comment, well, we don't have a lot of space, yet they went on to talk about their apartment that's three levels with an outdoor space, I mean, and they were making room with a, a next door apartment to have a dining room. You know, that's just almost unheard of in, in New York City, right? So I, I think that, you know, it's just a sometimes it's even a misnomer. It's just a, a cliche thing to say, I just don't have space. And we meet out, you know, we meet out in, in restaurants, we meet in bars, and we, you know, carry on. And um, then everybody meets up. We have our interaction very congenial when when you meet up but then you go your separate ways you know and that's, mm -hmm. that's the way I find New York um can you talk about like physically describe where you're from and you know say you walk out that when you walk out the door of your family's place in Georgia what, what do you see what does it feel like and look like smell sure. like Right. So I would walk out the back door first. I would just absolutely walk out the back door, um, most likely with a cup of coffee in my hand in the morning. There's a, an expensive porch um, 
just uh, right off the back of the house. Uh, some steps uh, look over, overlook the pond in the back. So there are pine trees and uh, the, the pond. And uh, there may, if it's springtime, the geese may be uh, out. They may have stopped over to have their you know, babies uh, on the way to um, other places, faraway places. Um, magnolia trees uh, at my grandmother's house, my grandparents' house. Um, the pecan trees, the azaleas blooming all around the pecan trees. Uh, red tip is very common. Uh, if I think about my grandparents' house, I think about their rose garden. They really prized their, their rose garden, um, kept up the roses, and uh, always my grandmother, grandmother always had roses inside and always was giving her roses away. You know, people needed roses for weddings or funerals or for whatever reason. Um, they always knew to call my grandmother that she would have roses blooming in the summer. So that certainly is a, a memory of mine. And in the early spring, uh, the jonquils that were around the house uh, were the first thing, first signs of spring uh, before the azaleas and the dogwoods bloomed. Um, so really, my, my grandparents' house is really what I think of when I think of, of the South. Um, and then go to the direct heat of the summertime and uh, I cut their grass. They had acres and acres and acres of grass um, around. And that was my summer job for a bit. How how many um, acres, if you had to estimate? Oh, geez. Probably around their house, maybe at five, seven acres, I guess. I, I'm bad at estimating that stuff, but a lot and my it was a riding lawnmower and i had uh, you know just uh, terrible allergies but you know that, that the dust was going everywhere and but so that's a major memory of mine from growing up is no wonder expansive lawn do, do you have acres and acres now me no <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about the space you have now in your you know, I, I distinctly remember the first time my parents came to this apartment. They said, oh, we certainly won't get lost in, in here. Have It's a pre-war building. Um, so absolutely no closet space. I have a closet that was freestanding. It's in the kitchen. Um, that's a point of um, that, that my parents always point out, that my clothes are in the kitchen. Right. Well, I mean, just continuing this idea of space, you're a runner. So do you have, like, a particular route that you – normally run that you consider part of your your space one of my favorite routes especially a morning run is to go down the west side highway and then um, to run across the brooklyn bridge i love running in central park as well um, i don't run in the park as much um, but just this past weekend i ran up the west side highway with some friends uh, we ran a loop of the park and then we had donuts on uh, 23rd street <laughs> nice and yes. when did you start running I really um, started my marathon running about 12 years ago. I was working uh, outside of Detroit, Michigan, and I was working with a lady who was 60 years old at the time. Between the years of 50 and 60, she had run 12 marathons, and I thought, you know, if she can run that many marathons, I can at least do one. So I signed up for Chicago Marathon, and she came and volunteered 
at the race and I saw her jump up and down and pump my fist. And she said, what are you doing? Keep running. <laughs> and so that was my first marathon in Chicago. Um, I just did uh, Chicago marathon again last year and had my best time that I've ever run a marathon. Wow. And is running something you've done since then, like wherever you've gone in the world? Yeah. Um, I think running is a great way to explore spaces around the world. You know, you go to a new city and just set off on a run. Um, you know, what I find that when I ask the concierge or the front desk of a hotel, wherever I may be, you know, for a route, usually they give me about a five block radius and I say, okay, that's not, you know, I, I, thank you very much, but I'll set off on my own because I'm usually trying to do some kind of long training run, maybe 15, even 20 mile or runs. Um, you know, um, one of my favorite runs, training runs that I did was um, in Budapest. I was in um, Budapest for a meeting and uh, I think I had a 15 mile run. So I was in, uh, set off from the hotel and um, just explored the city and ended up across a bridge on a small island that's part of that city and then um, back down the river. And I had been running beside this guy from uh, Mexico and I had no idea. I saw him in the lobby that morning. Well, it turns out he was a major client of ours, of the project that I was working on. So it just goes to show you, you never know who you're running beside with. So, you know, uh, runners always need to be, <laughs> need to be cordial with you, with each other, which we typically are. Um, I tell you my, my running really, like I said, really took off when I was working in Detroit and that's the first time I got the runner's high. Now that part I do remember very vividly. Um, I think the first time you get runners high, you're, you just feel like you're just, you could just keep going forever. You just feel like you're just whatever shoes you're wearing just has wings, and you just feel like you're just you could just keep going. I've I've never had runners high. <laughs> what does it? It's I mean, tell me what. Yeah, what what does it feel like when it? How do you know it's coming on? And take me. Through you don't know like, it's coming. You you push yourself because you're in a place like New York. There's so many runners here, so many really good runners here. You know, it, it, and it, that's sort of a double double edged sword in and of itself, right? So you, you can push yourself because there's a lot of competition here because somebody's always asking about you know not only your distance but what time you ran it in. Um, you know, so I, I remember training and thinking about these things, and then just really just. So something happened, you know, just the runner's high kicked in and I felt like I could just run forever. Just felt like yeah. it was just felt, felt so good. And, um, all the senses become a little more heightened, you know, as you're running in a place, certainly like central park. Can you think of anything else in your experience that impacted you the same way? Hmm. I'm trying to compare that feeling to something else and I don't know maybe maybe the only thing that I can compare to runner's high is you know waking up on Christmas morning my family's a huge Christmas um, morning uh, family the anticipation you know and then waking up Christmas morning to have presents and are most of your family still there in Georgia yes and what do they think about you being away from home, I mean, making a life in such different places from where they are. Yeah, that's interesting. And my family is completely supportive of everything that I do. Um, my parents came to visit me when I was in Brazil, for example. Um, that was very interesting. Um, the, in, <laughs> in that, the, the, well, the tables kind of turned. You know, I would give them uh, – 
quote unquote allowance, you know, and I would give them things to do. I would have them go to the local bakery and to order and order juice and bread and things like that. So that was very interesting and a very different dynamic. Um, just to be able to take care of my parents. And um, what did they think? Did they have a good time or were they overwhelmed? They had a great time. And I'll tell you one of the things that they that they really enjoyed. Um, so I, I used to take uh, language lessons, Portuguese lessons from a family-owned school, family-owned business. And my Portuguese professor and his wife and two of his daughters taught at the school. And so they hosted us, uh, my parents and me, for dinner uh, when my parents were visiting, and they thought it was the grandest thing. They taught my parents how to make caipirinhas. We had very typical Brazilian food. The conversation was amazing. And so then all of us, you know, as you would expect, right, then my parents, of course, wanted that experience and it, everywhere they travel. That is Brazil to them, is that family experience. And do you think there's anything, like, that sounds like it could be an experience that could happen in the South, where you... I mean, the way you describe people being hospitable and, and absolutely congenial. I, do you think there's something there? Completely. I completely do. And, for example, I mean, I had um, a, a colleague that I worked with that I was friends with outside of work when I worked in Brazil. I knew he, I knew his wife. I knew him. Well, they visited the, the states. I, I think they were in Charleston, South Carolina. So they were close enough, and they said, you know, we were in touch, and they said, oh, we would love to see your your where you grew up. And so they came and, and they visited, and my my family actually got the chance to host them. When you um, when you hear the word home, what's the first place you think of? Well, don't tell my mother I said this, but I think home is where you make it, right? I mean, home is where you you're grounded, you know, where where you you gravitate towards. You know, I think home is where you make it. And now, I mean, I think physically, if I have to name a physical place, absolutely, that home is where my parents are, where where we grew up in the same house. My grandparents have a house there. It's a it's an established family expanse, right? Not only my immediate family, but years and history is is so um, ingrained in Georgia and in South Georgia, where I'm from. So home is really that area. But then again, like I said, I mean, I really do feel like for me personally, a piece of home is, is where I am and where I gravitate towards, where, where I'm, it's more of a feeling. It's a feeling of home. It's a feeling of sort of comfort of, of um, gaining my own ground wherever I am. And um, when you, why do you say don't tell your mother? <laughs> of course, she thinks that my home is always um, her house, <laughs> their house. <laughs> um, okay. And then, I mean, when you were saying that, like, home is sort of where we make it, I sort of, like, had this picture in my head of, like, you know, you with like a backpack on your back and you can just take off running and feel comfortable and be home wherever you want to be. Do you feel that way about yourself? I do feel that way. I mean, it's a, it's a running joke in my family that I can pack for, you know, two days, two weeks, two months and a backpack and I can set off and be fine. But um, yeah, I, I kind of do. I have that sense of adventure. Um, I, I think as I get older, I don't necessarily want to just be a uh, sort of a nomad what's been um been hard about 
this nomadic existence that you've chosen? Uh, did you say nomadic? Well, you use the word nomad, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah what's yeah. been hard about it? Well, um, I'm not sure I would, I'm not sure I would use nomadic to describe myself at this point, right? Because I, I do feel that I'm grounded in my apartment in New York. I really do feel like that I'm, that I'm grounded here and I feel like this is where I need to be right now. But I mean, I think just in general, a nomadic, um, lifestyle it is, it, you know, can have sort of that lack of feeling of home. It can, right. But I don't think that things necessarily make a home, right. I mean, like I was saying, I really think it's where you make it and what, what you do to make a home and what do you do with yourself to make yourself feel grounded in a home atmosphere, even if you're not in a place that you call home. When you, you know, I've talked to a couple of people so far for this, and there's people who have left the South because they were really consciously wanting to leave things behind. There's people that I've talked to who've left because they were trying to achieve something and needed to be somewhere else to do that. Does either of those apply to you, or is there another reason? I, mine has been more of an evolution. You know, I just evolved, and as I've evolved as a person in my experiences through life, I just gravitated towards a place like New York City. For me, a bigger city is is where I need to be right now. But I give nothing for my uh, for being raised on a farm in Georgia, right? I think that that experience just set. Um, a baseline for me personally. So like I said, I think, I think that this is where I belong right now. And what was that baseline that it set? Do you think? Strong morals. I mean, my, my family is, is um, very much just very logical family, very much set on morals, very much um, um, just a solid family. I don't know any other way to say it, but they are just a solid family. I mean, I, I know that, you know, some of the, you, know, you talk with friends, you talk with um, acquaintances that you meet around the world or even New York, whatever. And you sort of get, get a sense that um, not everybody has a place that they can go back to, right? I mean, it, you know, it, it's very common here, right? I mean, family split, things happen, life happens. But um, I have a sense, my, my family will always be, where they are. I know this. And, you know, there, there's something that is, is very grounding about that, right? I keep using that word grounded, but um, for certain that, that fact will remain that where I was raised and where I grew up will always be there. It, it's never the same. It's never the same. It, it can never go back and be the same. I can't be on my grandmother's uh, kitchen floor licking the meringue bowl, you know, which is a very vivid memory of mine. But, um, the house is still there, you know, and, and it will be there. And do you, I mean, do you think there's something knowing that that allows you to sort of feel confident and at home anywhere? Because home, makes, yeah, it's hard to explain, but completely. No, I, I know it, it is. It's that knowledge, knowing that I can always go back there, and they always 
want me there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a sense of can you carry home with you on your back? Is mm-hmm. it inside you? Is it a physical space? Mm-hmm. Is it a place of memory or place of the present? Or can it be all the above? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know? Song entitled Down on the Farm. Selection sung by Mr. Edward Clara. If the Southerns is a podcast about the search for home, I think Brian might be the exception. He's not searching for home. He's making it wherever he decides to go. Stay tuned for episode four. I've done a lot of interviews with fascinating Southerners over the last several weeks. and I'm still deciding who to introduce you to next. So don't forget to email me with your Southern stories, Angie at thesouthernspodcast.com. Till next time. Vamos, mas e o cabra do bom tem